0: I'm sure we've all been in a situation where a group of regulars from work are upset with your significant others so they decide to kidnap you. Wait, you haven't? Well, my guess this week has. This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place... And the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. One person I might have to track down for a future episode is Kristen Williams from Pennsylvania. Kristen lost her pet cat snickerdoodle about eight years ago. She said she never really gave up on finding the critter, but wasn't actively looking for her either. But she did, however, surf the website of her local cat cafe. Lo and behold, there was a cat named Maria who looked exactly like Snickerdoodle and even shared her hobby of sitting in the sink. She reached out to the cat cafe, found out it actually was Snickerdoodle, and adopted her right away. She has a good story, but my guest this week may have one of the best stories I've had so far and the greatest story ever podcast. Sherry Callahan, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Keith, for having me. This is fabulous. And uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people, especially since I've been doing this podcast. You know, like, I'll, I'll just ask people, "Hey, what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you?" <laughs> and, and and most of the time, people are like, oh, "Oh, shucks, nothing crazy has ever happened to me." But I I, I feel like you know you, your story just kind of kind of jumps out.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. And I have been listening to your podcast, and you have had something incredibly crazy stories. I, I have to say, I have listened to every single one of your podcasts. Um, of course, it started with um, Keith and Misty love in the time of COVID. <laughs> and I, and I enjoyed watching your wedding. Uh, I was actually supposed to be up in Chicago for your wedding because I invited myself because your bride actually, fun fact, uh, being a Callahan previously, and I'm a Callahan on the Twitter. Misty and I have decided we are long lost sisters.
0: I think that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, so yeah. So, when people are talking about crazy stories, um, I'll I'll say that. So, I um, had a Harley, and my daughter wasn't born yet. And then, by the time she was two, I was a single mom. Mm -hmm. And I would just take jobs, you know, whatever. So, at the time, and this is in Arizona, uh, the Hells Angels had not, infiltrated Arizona. However, there was this outlawed biker, and I'm gonna say gang. I know you're supposed to say club, but no. They they were gang.
0: Well, you know, at that at that point <laughs> you could probably still say say gang. I,
1: I think I think I can and I, I know I can. So taking any job I could get at one point they would pr- party, have meetings, whatever, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they discovered that as a Christian and as a girl that went to church on Sunday mornings, I was pretty much the only sober person they knew. So they, um, well, and let me say, I was starting to date one of the men that belonged to the chapter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so <clears throat> I would bartend and then about 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, I'd tell everybody I'm going to church now. Everybody not, so they all knew where I stood. And they were—I have say, very nice guys for being outlaw bikers. Very pleasant. I never felt any fear or frustration. None of them ever treated me disrespectfully,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it was—it was great. So, <clears throat> so maybe maybe
0: that's why you could call them a group instead of a gang.
1: <laughs> well, I couldn't kill. So I was I was was dating this gentleman, and he had dated me a long time. I had a two year old, and he decided that he wanted to be a dad and a father, and he wanted to marry me. So I never said anything, but he he thought it would be a good idea to quit the club,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so he he did. He just folded up his jacket and kind of like it submitted his resignation, like. Anybody would. And this did not go over so very well. However, I was pretty oblivious to everything, juggling motherhood and jobs. So the, the story um, begins where I am at home one day and um, my significant other has disappeared off the map. And one of the young ladies that procured things for these gentlemen had called me. And hey, Sherry, we should get together for lunch.
2: Okay, okay,
1: sure. You know that's what people do. (laughs) And and (laughs) she shows up, and I get her in a car, and we're in Tucson, Arizona, which the the desert around Tucson just goes. And I and one of your uh, previous uh, uh. interviewees had mentioned how out in the desert things happen, like monsoon sun. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're, we're driving through Tucson and I realized that we're not headed like to a restaurant or a McDonald's or a Burger King and she's driving, but I, I start sensing that she's nervous. And so we're, we're driving and then we're headed out of Tucson out, into desert, and I'm. We're definitely not having lunch at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just like my spidey sense starts tingling, and I looked over at her and I said, "What the hell's going on?" And she got very, very quiet, and then she burst into tears. And I'm like, "Oh, hey
2: okay.
1: what's going?" I told her. I said, "You have to tell me what's going on." And she says, oh, "I, I, I'm so sorry, Sherry." <laughs> what? Well, they want to talk to you. And by they, she meant their president, who was not exaggerating. He was the largest Mexican I've ever known in my entire life. He was six (laughs) foot three, probably 320 pounds. Mm -hmm. And he's a very intimidating man. However, at the clubhouse, he's always been very polite to me. So. I said to her, I said, okay. So we we drive like 45 minutes, a long drive. And we end up at this trailer with nothing. You can't see anything for miles around.
0: Yeah, a trailer in the desert. You're just not going to feel good about that.
1: (laughs) That's your sign, right? right? That's your sign. So at this point, I'm still not super freak because I know all these guys Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and there's these bikes and I walk into the trailer and all the brothers are in the living room and they're all quiet. They're not joking. They're not smoking recreational drugs. They're not doing anything I would normally expect them to be doing. And I walk in and you can hear a pin drop and I'm going, Oh crap really and then this ginormous we'll call him Gus even though he's passed away now Gus comes out and he says I need to talk to you at this point I'm realizing first of all nobody knows where I'm at Mm -hmm. nobody and this is in the days before cell phones and he takes me back to the back of the trailer and he he puts me in this little teeny tiny bathroom and shuts the door. Now, this bathroom is tiny and he's huge. Mm-hmm. And I'm 5'2, weighed probably 98 pounds soaking wet. And so I just, I'm all cool because I'm so, you know, I'm cool. I'm stupid. I'm like, <laughs> what's, what's, what's going on, Gus? And he picks me up and he sets me on the bathroom counter and he says, I need to know where Garrett is, and I'm like, I I don't know. And he starts intimidating me, and by by intimidating Keith, I mean really. He gets a knife out. He starts flipping it in the air. Well, and 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 this is
0: this is you know before. (laughs) Probably cell phones, so it's not like you could say, yeah, sure, I'll call him right now.
1: Yes, right. Legitimately, though, I had no idea where he was. And so being a a Christian and being not a liar, I'm kind of starting to get a little irritated Mm -hmm. because I don't know where he's at. And he Gus starts, like, in my face, threatening me if you don't tell me where he's at, you're not leaving this trailer. And when he says not leaving this trailer, I I start really realizing my life is actually in danger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I start getting truly scared. However, You've known me in the past. I'm I'm kind of a loud mouth and I don't take intimidation very well. Uh, we worked in radio. You know, I put up with it.
0: <laughs> and
1: so I'm just like adamant. I don't know where he is. Let me out of this bathroom. And that says, not happening. And he walks out and he locks the door. I am locked in this bathroom. In the middle of nowhere in a trailer and there's nobody in the house except male bikers there's Mm -hmm. no girls so I started praying and I'm telling you Keith it was the strangest thing because he comes back in and I realize that if I'm not looking at Satan I'm looking at one of his minions
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I'm just I'm truly terrified truly truly terrified and I also know I can't tell him what he wants to know so I look, look over his shoulder and I'm I'm not joking. I'm not kidding. I could see two angels. I could see two angels over his shoulders. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? If he kills me, I'll be at peace. Mm-hmm. But I also realized this is,
0: Bullshit. Can I say bullshit? This is crap. It's the the internet. You can say anything.
1: Okay. So I'm mad. Now I'm mad. And I saw these two angels, and it just gave me all this strength. And I stood up, looked straight up at this huge Mexican, and I said, you know, if you're going to kill me, just get it over with. Because... I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. And by the way, I don't even know where we are. So if you let me go, I can't even report you to the cops because I don't even know where we are. And he he stepped back. It was the most amazing thing because he went from total intimidation to like, what? What? And I said, do what you want. He stood there a minute, and then he just opens the bathroom door and says, get the hell out of here. Wow. Okay, so, but then I walk out to the living room where there's eight, eight, eight or ten brothers, and mm. I know them all, but you could see on their faces, they had experienced Expected to hear a gunshot, and when I come walking out, they're flabbergasted. They're like, "Why? Why is she walking out?" And I stood there for a minute because I didn't—I uh, had no car. I had no way of leaving. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Gus comes out and he goes, "Well, she doesn't know anything. Somebody give her a ride home." So I'm, I'm still cool. Keith, until one of the guys has an old pickup truck and we get in it and I'm about halfway there and <laughs> halfway home. And I looked at him and I go, I need the nearest liquor store right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so he pulls in and I got a bottle of Jack Daniels and being the good girl that I am, I, I did not start drinking in the car but I get home. Dude, I did shot after I start crying. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I just got abducted. And at that time, they were incorporating into the Hells Angels. Mm-hmm. I just got abducted basically by the Hells Angels, and I'm not dead.
0: Well, at that point, you feel like you can do pretty much anything.
1: I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> so So I got drunk. And my daughter was at her grandparents. And the next morning, I try to be cool, go to my parents, get the child. Well, that was almost the end of the story. Um, then, oh, like two weeks later, my boyfriend hadn't showed up. So this guy comes back to my house. He's now in my house, and he 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 does this intimidation thing again and. <laughs> It was kind of funny because he's sitting on my couch. He's flipping his knife and two arms. like in Arizona, we have open carry. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a gun. These guys use their guns. I happen to know this. People have disappeared from the circle since I've been affiliated with them. And he's flipping his knife. Well, karma's a bitch. And he flips his knife in there and it falls down on his leg and stabs him in the leg. <laughs> I'm like very calmly. I go over and he pulls the knife out because he's bad. I mean, he's a badass. He's mm-hmm. he's a monster. He pulls the knife out, and I real smart, Alec. I go, well, now that you stabbed yourself, and I still don't know anything. Could you get the hell out of my house, please?
0: <laughs> I, I figured <laughs> you're gonna. I figured you're gonna say you you looked uh, past him and you could see the angels in the background laughing. No, they,
1: they, did not come to my house that day. However, the president of this chapter stabbed himself. So maybe that was God checking the I don't know. But they left and then and so then, um about forty eight hours later, my boyfriend shows up and he's beaten to a pulp. They had gotten a lead pipe and it was just like Keith, it was just like in the movies. They had taken him out and they'd beaten him black and blue senseless unconscious and and two days later one of the one of the brothers shows up with my boyfriend in his arms unconscious he says nobody knows where he's at I was supposed to kill him but I, I just sorry for the little guy. So here he's, he's yours. Do it. So for, I spent the next 48 hours nursing him and then we got, we left Tucson. <laughs> we uh, packed up the car and uh, got the
0: hell out there. So that, that seems like it'd be a good time to leave. Yeah.
1: Yes. And so that's actually how I got to the great state of Alabama. And, and, um, so.
0: Wow. That's, uh, yeah. that, that's, that's pretty amazing. I, um, yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the craziest story uh story I've had so far. Yeah.
1: Well, it didn't it didn't end. Um they tracked us down to Alabama. My at that point then he was my husband. We would gotten married on the road cuz I'm Christian, want, you know, got to be married mm-hmm. and uh so we got married. Well, they had found. I mean, they they these guys, I mean, don't ever underestimate the helling just don't because they don't, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, read the book. <laughs> he uh, wrote a book about the Hells Angels and he lived, Hunter S. Thompson lived with the Hells Angels for mm-hmm. a while. And everything, I have a copy of the book, read it, it's true. And Hunter S. Thompson himself barely escaped with his life.
2: Yeah, And
1: so they showed up in Alabama. And at that point, then uh, we were in this little teeny tiny town um, that I'm not going to name, but you know what town it was. And the sheriff actually came to my house. And it was, it was just showed me how great and homey these Alabamans can be. And I really like it here now. Sheriff comes and says, The DEA has tracked some activity regarding you. He said, I know it's not you, but I know you're the end game. So, you have, this is how it works. In Alabama, if somebody comes into your home, you shoot them. And this, this sheriff, he told me that. He said, if they find you, let them in and shoot them. I don't know if I can say that. But I, but <laughs> that, that that was, I think that was before there was your ground and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Because that was nineteen eighty, nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety four. 1994, 1994. So this little town. Um was very quiet. When I moved to nobody, people left the doors open. There was no crime. And so to be told by a sheriff, go ahead and shoot the jerk, was very comforting. And then about three months later, uh, another man in black, a man in black showed up at my door. He showed me his badge. I- I'm from the DEA, and I just want you to know you're safe now because we captured them and they are in prison. Oh wow! <laughs> so,
0: so you, so you got the you got the last laugh in in more ways than one.
1: I did, I did, but it was harrowing. And and from the time I was in the desert and then driving, you know, looking over your shoulder the whole time, I I did do one really really very bad thing. Um, so they would have their big meetings on Thursday nights. Well, because I was the only I hate to say decent person, but I had a good record, so their phone to their clubhouse was in my name. Mm-hmm. I I called Arizona and had their phone disconnected five minutes before their big meet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think that probably is why they followed me to Alabama because they were really bent by that time. I really, I really irritated. The, I, I pissed off these guys and. It is by the grace of God, I think, that I live to tell a tale.
0: Yeah, and and live to tell it on uh, on this here podcast.
1: Which, sir, when you say at the end of every podcast, and it's true, I have listened to every one of your podcasts. I have shared it with people. I love your podcast. I love all these stories. Many of them resonate with me. But when you say, can you top that? I was like, oh, yeah. Because I was abducted and then followed by the Hells Angels. And and once again, they were not the Hells Angels at the time. But since that time, the chapter has but, been.
0: But since that time, the, the paperwork is cleared and they, they became <laughs> yeah. part of them.
1: You have to do some really outlandish things to become part of the Hells Angels. And these guys were up to it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so fun fact. True, true, true. Out in Arizona with the giant cactus, Suarez. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with swallows, but they're giant. And the men, if if you, if you irritated them, they would take you out in the desert and they would bungee cord you to a swall cactus. Now you can hold the bungee cords and not impale yourself for a while. But that is actually true. They would, they would do that to people.
0: Wow.
1: Or if you, don't know much about swirls, they have a very thin root system mm-hmm. sometimes the swirls will just fall over on you and crush you to death
0: oh wow yeah you don't you don't think of uh cacti as being that uh that heavy but yeah i guess they would
1: they they, they are if they're full of water and it's raining and their mm-hmm. their
0: roots are loose the
1: monsoons that someone else in your podcast has spoken about uh the monsoons come up quick and fast and it's torrential rain and then these swallows if you touch them they fall over because they don't have a, a big root system. yeah so, yeah uh, bad bad guys i was but you know keith the thing was when i was bartending they were just so nice i mean well because i was giving them drinks and, and free <laughs> drinks because it's in the clubhouse and so they were all getting liquored up and and i was just serving drinks so it started you know i had a, a job you know bartending made X number of percentage of the house intake that night. And then I ended up running away from them as fast as I could
2: mm-hmm.
1: and gave away my Harley in the, in the, you know, I said, no, no bikes worth it. So I actually handed the title over to somebody to take my bike. I don't want anybody to see it. I don't want to be affiliated.
0: Wow. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Sherry.
1: <laughs> I, I hope that was, um, good listening. And, and so people, just be aware. These, these guys, yeah, they will help an old lady cross the street, but if you cross them, they might bungee cord you to a program.
0: And of course, if you think you can actually top Sherry's story, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening to help us rocket through the algorithms and keep more people finding the show.
2: Cabotron.